original investigators believe he murdered her. They yeah. just can't prove it. It's my first initial call to the private investigator working on my dad's case. My wife jumps up from the table and says, God, who is this man coming in the backyard? I divorced him because I couldn't trust him at all. He lied to me at the very beginning. He was living two separate lives. In the water about 30 yards away, and I identified it as it was a person. listening to season two of Ashes to Ash TV, What Happened to Carolyn Blankenfeld? Episode 15, The Neighbors. We started talking to Aubrey, Chris and Carolyn's neighbor at the time. And they were like, Carolyn's missing and Chris is in the hospital. We don't know what's going on. And my family was kind of in shock because we didn't really think anything happened. We just thought maybe she went off on her own until they told us it was a boat accident. But me and my family knew immediately she's, she's not coming back. Then we spoke to Rebecca, another neighbor of Chris and Carolyn's at the time. So after Ed told you that they were missing, I'm sure that your comment from before kind of really started to hit mm -hmm. home. Yeah, I felt really terrible for saying that. So what, when was it that you finally found out that Chris was still alive? Was it that night? It was that night. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And he had told us a couple hours later that Chris Chris had been found and that he was at the hospital in the emergency room. Then we spoke to Bonnie and Jeannie, more neighbors. When the sheriff came to my house that night, he had such a southern accent and he said, we found the boat, both of them are missing, the three dogs are on the boat and the phone. You know, he said, what do you think went on? And I said, you have to go up to Buddy's house. I said, he knows them inside out. And then I was across the street the morning they found her. We sat at Betty Grace and watched the helicopters. And when they, oh, it was devastating. That's yeah, we were say. on our way home back from the wedding when they found her. So we weren't here. Then we questioned Nick, Chris and Carolyn's neighbor and Buddy's son. When you first heard that, what, what, did you have a gut reaction to it? Just out of the blue, this just so happened to happen today. I cannot remember off the top of my head if it was that night or sometime that week she was actually going to come stay with us. She was mm -hmm. getting ready to get out of the house for a few days. And then that just happens. It just didn't make sense. Bonnie and Jeannie explain. When you first fi found that oh, she was dead, for sure, was that your gut reaction? Oh, yeah. Was that so, like, right immediately out of the gate, you yeah. kind of felt that? the first that. thing I said to her, I hope they're not fighting. And yeah, well. and that was my first reaction. They had a battle. She jumped overboard because she was pissed. And then I... I don't want to think that he killed her. I, I just can't visualize somebody doing that to her. Well, I think he arranged it so that she couldn't survive. Yeah. That's what I think. It's just all uh, too much. 
Nick recalls when you actually found out that Carolyn had passed away. How? What was your reaction? What was your dad's reaction? What was the feelings that were? It didn't on? feel real. Mm -hmm. That someone like her would would be taken from all of us like that. It just it didn't make sense how that could happen. Aubrey remembers. When it was time for her funeral is when it actually hit me that she was actually gone. And I, cause I, I didn't want to believe it. I mean, I knew, but I didn't want to believe it. So when we got to the funeral, I was kind of in shock. Like this is really happening. She's really gone. He said to me that they had been in the water together. They'd got back in the boat and then she got back in the, out in the water again and she got in trouble and she yelled for him and he said, let me put the anchor down. She says, no, I need you now. Or to me, you don't have a conversation if you're drowning or if so. you're in trouble. You don't have time to say, but he's had a safety. Why doesn't he put the anchor down? Why wasn't the anchor down when she got in the water to start with? And why can't you throw her a life jacket? or some flotation device. Something out there yes. with them so that at least they have something to hang on to. So what, what did he tell you happened after he, she... She got in the water and oh, he went in after and couldn't find her. Okay, so he told you that she immediately went out once, of his... Once he got into the water, she was gone, he couldn't find her. Then we spoke with Nathan, another neighbor. Did you ever hear him talk about what happened? Yeah, he talked to me a couple times about it. It was only one-on-one. -on -one. There was nobody else around. And when I talk to other neighbors, it doesn't seem to add up. What he told me is she decided to dive in. Just wanted to jump in. And then she came up and said, help. So he jumped in after her and he tried to find her, but couldn't find her. And he tried to swim back to the boat, but couldn't get back to the boat. And then he tried, he looked back and then he just tried to save himself at that point. Did you think that that's anything seemed weird about that? Everything. I mean, because it's not just that part of it. You got to take it in context of everything going on at that time. Their, their marriage is in shambles. She's having an affair. She's getting ready to tell him she's about to leave him. He already knows. And now they're going out. I'd, I believe the boat was unregistered. I had helped him build out a PVC pipe or something like that, a cover for his boat. And he was telling me, I got to get this thing re-registered and blah, blah, blah. And then they went out on the water and then two people go out, one person comes back. I mean, too many questions. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. None of it makes sense. Nick then explains. He was supposed to be this excellent swimmer, yet you, you can't hold someone up. Why would you leave the boat? You have a boat, you can drive it to them. You can throw them a line. You can throw them a, another life jacket, something. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Somebody just jumped in the in the water while you're driving because y'all had a fight? Why would Carolyn jump out of a moving boat while y'all had a fight? And then why would you jump in after and just let the boat keep going? That doesn't make sense. Then we found out that, oh, he, he was, he went up to this house and the first thing he said is, do you have a towel? It's not the first thing you say. If you truly love someone, you're gonna do everything you can to, to save them. And then the first thing you say, hey, do you have a towel? That, that's not what comes out of your mouth. So from that point on, everything, just bullshit. Everything was just called instant bullshit. Did you actually hear a rendition of what happened that day from him or did you hear it from other people? First thing I heard was while we were in the waiting room was that Carolyn jumped in. 
that didn't that didn't make sense. And then we started hearing different stories from close family. Although he said this to them, he said this to them. Just little pieces kept kept changing, and it, it didn't it didn't add up. Did you ever hear him talk about how long she was alive for in the water? What we heard is he held on to her as long as possible, and then he let her go. Did you feel like that with that bay and the circumstances of that day, did you think that that was reasonable whatsoever? No. Had you ever go out in the bay? Have you ever been out there? I've been in the water half my life. I've done a lot of water training. I, I swam in the Mobile Bay of, of Key West, ev everywhere. I've, I've gone all over the United States and been in all the water. Perdido Key is, it's quiet. The only time it gets rough is when the weather changes, and it was a nice day, calm water. And if you're a prior service Coast Guard swimmer, you should have been able to save her. So a lot of stuff didn't add up. Back to Bonnie and Jeannie. The day that they went out on the boat together, did, did you guys have a memory of what the weather was like that day or how beautiful. the bay was? sun was shining. I know it was beautiful. I mean, I picture it. I picture it in my mind. And when I sit out on that porch now, I see them walking down there. It was a beautiful sunny day. It really was. You feel like Chris was kind of explaining to people that it was basically right after Carolyn jumped in the water that mm -hmm. she was gone. Mm -hmm. When you finally saw Chris after this happened, did you guys ever ask him what happened? And if so, what did he say? I remember going over to the house and he was sitting on that swing. He didn't look terribly upset to me, but then I thought, well, maybe he's in shock. Of course, absolutely. You know, but even at the memorial thing, he didn't even shed a tear. I mean, her and I talk about Carolyn now and cry. Back to Nathan. Did you ever see him like immediately upon returning from the hospital? A couple days after. Couple days. Couple days probably within within three or four days after he got back, I'd say. And what was your impression of him? Uh, apathetic, not really caring, but not not caring. He was kind of, and I'm like, oh well, maybe he's in shock. Maybe he's still processing everything going on. Uh, but ap apathy would be the term I would go for. Rebecca explains. Did you ever ask Chris what happened? No, he told us, because we went to Carolyn's funeral, okay. and when we were up down at their house, he had broken down quite a few times. He was in his bedroom, um, he had broken down, and he was just telling, telling people that she jumped in, you know, that she, just free with what he said, so. What was your interpretation of what he was saying happened? I didn't believe that it, because I, I don't, I just, everything just didn't add up. Yeah. None of it added up. And his behavior while he was telling these stories, I mean, even at the funeral, I've never seen him cry. I've never, you know, I don't, mm. that's, you know, something very private. But even when he was breaking down, it seemed, it didn't seem genuine, you know, yeah. at all. Did you see like actually any tears or anything? No, or was he just... I never saw tears. He yeah. would like weep at the end. He was loud at his weeping, but I never actually saw any tears. How did you feel about his behavior at the funeral? Like when he was talking? 
didn't, nothing seemed genuine to me. When he was in the bedroom at the wake afterwards, did, did you ever hear what, like a version of what he was kind of saying happened? His version was that she jumped in the water. and that it took her a while to come to come up and when she did he noticed that she was struggling this was when we were at the, at the house right after the funeral that he was saying this and that he he jumped in to try to get her and he just he couldn't get a hold of her or anything and it was strange to us at that time because the bay up here that day it was very calm so we you know we were questioning that but then when we had the interview with the fish and wildlife he did tell us that the bay was rough down there, which again, to me, she was a smarter woman than that, you know, but yeah. maybe it didn't look as rough as it did underneath, I don't know. So Fish and Wildlife actually reached out to you, you didn't reach out to them? Yeah, no, they called my husband. Or were they really stoic or did you get the impression that they were like, something's hanky here? They thought that something wasn't adding up at all. Bonnie and Jeannie then say, one day, the girl that lives next door to Carolyn, she had short blonde hair and she was down doing something in the yard and she came up. Mm -hmm. I, I, I got panic stricken. I thought it was Carolyn. Oh, that, happened really to, that happened to Rick and I too. The mm -hmm. lady that lives in front of, yeah. she looks just like Carolyn from oh, a distance. Oh, that's so, wild. Oh, it was horrible. It yeah. was terrible. Oh, <laughs> well, the, the day that he came home from the hospital, he's out cutting the grass <laughs> and I'm out working in the yard and I'm going, should you be doing that? Do you want me to cut the grass for you? Of course. That was the only time that he ever showed any emotion about her death. It seemed like it was all a big party after that yeah. to me. He did show emotion that day, and I didn't know if it was an act. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay. So you bring up another really interesting point. You, are you positive the day he came back from the hospital he was mowing his lawn? Mm-hmm. So you never saw any indication that there was any serious damage that would have stopped you from, say, mowing a lawn? Like, you didn't see any physical signs? Mm -mm. Did he seem like he was mowing, like, a normal pace and, nor like, wasn't struggling? No. I thought it was strange that he was out mowing the lawn. I'm telling myself, okay, Bonnie, you know, you're just being paranoid. Maybe people handle things different ways. Mm -hmm. You know, Absolutely. I'm trying to give him some credit, of you know. Course. Well, I know he got angry with me when I would go over there and I would talk about Carolyn. Because when they did sell the house, I went over and I tried to help mm -hmm. him. I, I cleaned out the whole refrigerator mm -hmm. and I tried to help him as much as I could. And he told me he didn't want me talking about her. So I, didn't I don't talk about her yeah. with him. Did you find it strange that things were sold as fast as they were? Yes, yes, definitely. Because he was so close with the Scotch 30 Club and you would think that he would stay where his friends are. Well, that morning that I told you, when he came home from the hospital, he said, I'm never selling that house. See, that house to us is still Carolyn's house. Nathan then explains. Yeah, there was a get together afterwards. Again, it just didn't, it didn't seem genuine 
to me. It, you know, he, kept, he was talking to people in his bedroom about what had happened, but it was almost like he was just trying to bring a couple people in at a time to try to tell the story over and over again. And to me, that seems like somebody trying to convince themselves of the damn story when they keep trying to tell it over and over and over again. If you're gonna do that, why don't you just tell the story? Everybody's here, bro. Just, yeah. hey, look, I gotta talk. And every, all y'all, I love you. You guys obviously are here for me. Let's, can I, can I say this now, you know? Did you ever compare stories uh, with people that were there the same night? I talked about what he told me to some of the other neighbors here, and they said it's not exact. It's not what they had heard. Right. Mm. Back to Bonnie and Jeannie. But then at the funeral, it was like it was a party. It, well, certainly a big, big party here at the house afterwards. Yeah, so. Bonnie wouldn't go. <laughs> oh, so you didn't even go over there. Then Aubrey says. It was just weird that he didn't really cry. And when he did kind of cry when he was standing up at the podium, it, it didn't feel like real. It didn't feel like he had real emotions there. It didn't feel genuine at all. It just, his, the way he was crying and choking himself up, it almost seemed like he was doing it purposely. It didn't seem natural to me. Back to Nathan. Did you at the funeral itself get, like, like when he was up speaking or doing anything, did you ever think anything of that or just seemed like you're kind of I thought it now? was a sham. I thought it was scripted. It's like he tried to get a bunch of jokes out of a bunch of sad people, like something on a TV show. It didn't seem genuine. I was kind of disgusted. He was up there literally trying to get people to laugh, telling these funny stories of things that were really not important. Talk about, talk about her life. Don't, don't get laughs right now, buddy. This isn't the time. I was upset at that. Bonnie and Jeannie admit I just knew he did it. I, in my heart and soul, I mean, it kept me up night after night after night. And I'm going, there's nothing, you know, you can do about it, you know? And it's, I am so thankful that you're doing this and you're asking questions. Somebody needs to ask these questions. I mean, that's really what we want, is we're hoping to be able to put enough things together that either something becomes obvious or that somebody listens. Because really what we want is him just taking a trial on it. If, if 12 jurors say he didn't do it, I'll let it go. But like, I just want somebody to take a second look at this because, we, I mean, we were out in that bay and it is not deep where they were. And I mean, that's the hard part. And I know crazy things can happen in the water. I'm not suggesting that, but that is the reason is that we just want somebody else to take a look or open that case back up because I think it deserves a second look. Also, just a reminder to everyone, if you can subscribe, please do. If you do subscribe, you get to see episodes early, discounted merchandise, you get to see uncut interviews, and you also get to be part of the private Facebook subscriber group. And there we do personal Q&As. So you have a little more access to the crew and to asking questions and getting those answered. Obviously, the show is always free because that's how we get in tips and solve these cases. So if you have the ability to be able to help us out and subscribe, that money just goes back into funding these investigations. And if not, we still appreciate you watching. So please keep watching on the normal schedule. Ashes to ashtv.com A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. I then asked Nathan. Did you ever hear about an insurance payout? I did. I did. Yeah, we were uh, we were making plans to go out one night to go see a movie, lighten everything up, get get you, uh, your mind off everything. And the day we were supposed to go to the movies, he ended up calling me saying, "I can't go. I have to go see my lawyer. This and that." Mm -hmm. 
they're, they're, they're holding the boat, they're holding the insurance and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And that was pretty much it. So that's, that's all I heard about it, but he was upset. Then I asked Bonnie and Jeannie, did you guys ever hear about any insurance payouts or anything financially going on with them? No, the only thing I heard, and I heard it from him, he was going to give all the children, all four of them, money to go on a trip from the insurance. And then I heard that never happened. No, it didn't. Yeah, and he did. He said that to multiple people, so that's interesting mm -hmm. that you bring that up. I mean, when this first happened, I really didn't want to believe that Chris would do something like that. But then, it seemed like a month later, he was moving to Wisconsin, buying a house with some girl that he went to school with. He had to be connected with her, because if I graduated high school 15 years ago, and then decided to buy a house with somebody I graduated with, you would have to be in touch with them, to buy a house with them. Then he came home and then he had this other woman over there in her Jeep. Was he actually like packing up? Like, did you think he was actually going to move or had he just talked about it? He did, he was gone for a while. That's what I thought about. What about his job? He has such a good job mm -hmm. where he is. Why would he just up and leave? And he wanted to change his name back to he told me he was adopted and he wanted to change his name back to his original name. Yeah, because yeah. we thought that he might be doing that so that he couldn't be traced. I remember at the house, and that was that 4th of July party, he was seeing a woman at work. Carolyn told me and then he told me. And just a quick reminder here, the women are speaking about Chris's past coworker and not Chris's current fiance. And she was pretty pissed about it. Mm -hmm. And she invited this woman. And I remember meeting her, but Chris told me that they were very good friends at work and she was going through a divorce and he was helping her. But then this girl- Girl is a reference to Chris's current fiance works with him too, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. As far as you understood, he was, at, he was having an affair with the woman at work. Yeah. And Carolyn had told you that? Mm -hmm. Did he say anything as far as him having an affair? Did he? No. no. They were just very good friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. With him, I was glad when his car was gone. I didn't, after this happened, I couldn't stand even looking she over there. Look, she couldn't stand looking over there. I was so glad when he sold the house and moved. It was that upsetting to me just to mm -hmm. see him at that house in that yard. I don't know what that makes me. I just, I just, it's just, I don't know if it's instinct or if it's just some kind of feeling that something's not right. Yeah, absolutely. And that she deserves better. Mm -hmm. Well, that's how I felt when I saw that girl in Carolyn's Jeep. How dare her get in his car, her car? Mm -hmm. And it was like, I felt like he told her, oh, take the Jeep. Which one was it who had seen him walking with the child? I did. When was that about? They've been gone about four or five months. She is talking about Chris visiting old neighbors after he had moved away four to five months earlier. And he came to see them 
and I was driving down the street and I saw the back of him and I know his body yeah. <laughs> and he had this little girl and I didn't know how to react. Do I stop and say hello or do I keep going? And I did stop and he said, aren't you going to give me a hug, hello? I got out of the car and I hugged him. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to and I said, who's this little girl? <laughs> And he said, oh, that's, and she was being crabby. Yeah. And he said, this is why I can't stand kids. But that girl had two other kids, and then he had four kids. I don't know. And your interpretation was that's Sarah, the woman who's his fiance now, that was her child? Yes. Okay. That little girl, I don't know, a year old? Oh, okay, so pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. young, okay. But I... I don't know. I, I felt like, is this his kid? You know, I don't know. Rebecca then explains. We got a phone call from um, the the police at the at Pensacola Wildlife. Oh, Fish whatever, and Wildlife. Fish yeah. and Wildlife, yeah. And they wanted to interview us, and this is the first time that we ever heard of any. I mean, we we thought that you know. Chris had killed Carolyn, but this is the first time that we were, you know, there's an investigation going on. So we went and we spoke to them and I wanted to talk to Buddy because yeah. I knew that Buddy wasn't, you know, involved with, with starting, you know, somehow starting an investigation or cooperating with it. So I did start going back up there and Chris was there often and it was the strangest interaction that I couldn't stop going up there for a little while. It was just strange because you kind of felt you like you knew what had happened or was Chris just acting very weird? He was acting very, very weird. The conversations that he would have with, with Buddy and the rest of them, it's like he, he knew that he wasn't wanted there, mm. but he was still kind of like parading around like, you know, I know what I did, I know what you think I did, but I'm still right here in front of you. Like it was, Wow. That kind that, of, yeah. That's how you felt. That's mm -hmm. that's wild. And at first, I was terrified of going over there. Terrified because my husband and I would make jokes. You know that if Chris knew we thought anything, you know, what if he came after us? You know. Then I questioned Bonnie and Jeannie, and then you guys subsequently went to the cops. Is that right? Yes. We did. Mm -hmm. We went together, and because it was on the water, they were the ones the that was responsible. And I don't know if. They don't have enough. Yeah, like I feel they didn't do enough. If maybe they don't have the means yeah. to do as much, and the law too, to do as much as maybe if it happened on land. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, like I feel like it, whatever I think investigation it was really they well. did, we didn't know of any investigation. Back at Nick's, I asked him about Buddy, his dad. How do you think that your dad feels? He was he was robbed of his soulmate. Yeah. That that's how he feels. Do you think that could have, like maybe Carolyn finally deciding to go and be with Buddy? Do you think that could have been, like he, she finally told him or? It it could have been a possibility. Yeah, it could have been a, a contributing factor. Mm -hmm. uh, I can see him being a, a jealous person, and if he's losing control, he doesn't know what to do. 
Ashes to Ash TV is created by Ash Patino, associate producer Kate Giordano, co-host production manager Bree, crew member Victoria Gockler, music scorer David Patino, and interviews for this episode were the following neighbors of Chris and Carolyn's at the time. Jeannie and Bonnie, Nick, Nathan, Rebecca, and Aubrey. To subscribe to us on our website and watch commercial-free content, please go to ashes2ashtv.com, www.ashestoashtv.com. If you know of any illegal activity involving this case, please reach out to your local law enforcement. If you would like to leave a tip and you'd like to remain anonymous, please email me at ashland57 at gmail.com, H-L-A-N-D, the number 57 at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ashes to Ash True Crime and on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Ashes to Ash TV.